0: Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank You for uh, the good day that You've been pleased to give to us. We thank You for uh, Your Word. Uh, We thank You for uh, the fact that we are uh, connected to Your church. And uh, we do thank You for the body of Christ. We uh, thank You that He purchased us uh, with His blood and that we are not our own, but that we have been purchased uh, with that price. And uh, as a result, we are uh, Your servants through Him. Uh, More and more, we pray that You'll be pleased to uh, impress this upon us. And uh, as we uh, continue our uh, discussion of worship, uh, we pray that You'll be pleased to help us and uh, give us understanding. Uh, Bless us with uh, a good understanding of Your Word, we pray. And forgive us of our sins where we fail in this regard. But build us up in the most holy faith once for all, delivered to the saints, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, in this morning's lesson, I'm drawing a distinction between worship and Uh, the pattern for worship that's found in the temple, and uh, what I'm calling celebrations. Uh, And uh, as I have on uh, this second whiteboard, uh, they're culturally conditioned and they are not the pattern for our worship. Uh, So I'm making this uh, distinction. And... Uh, as we get into the lesson, re- remember some of the territory that we've uh, uh, we've covered that uh, w- we started out with the, with the idea that uh, God governs uh, his worship. And uh, uh, we zeroed in on the fact that uh, we are the temple of the living God. And uh, since uh, temple worship, is uh, governed by uh, God, and uh, it's stipulated by God uh, how we should worship uh, in the temple. We, uh, since we are the temple of the living God, that transfers to us that that uh, this idea of of uh, worship being governed by God and uh, worship. Uh, the elements of worship, etc., being stipulated by God are tied uh, to this idea. So this is one of the reasons I wanted to go here uh, this morning again. And uh, it's a little bit of a refresher. Uh, uh, But uh, as we get into the class, I'm going to contrast this with the idea of celebrations. Now you see on the top of the board here, under worship, uh, I have... uh, Uh, that uh, worship is regular, weekly, stated, heaven-directed, and heaven-flavored. Now, uh, what we're talking about is public worship. We're not talking about, once again, we're not talking about private worship. We're not talking about family worship. We're talking about public worship. And so it's it's the regular public worship of God. Okay, And uh, it's weekly. And even in the Old Testament the first convocations that God designates for the Old Testament people of God in Leviticus chapter 23, the very first convocation is the convocation of the weekly Sabbath. And so uh, the weekly Sabbath takes priority. And, and uh, so we, uh, as a result, uh, at least in part, we worship weekly so it's regular, weekly, and it's stated. And what we mean by stated is that our weekly worship times are in the local congregation. Yes, they're governed by God, but the times we get together and the places we get together are stated by the session, which is the ruling body of the church. So these are regular, weekly stated Times of worship. All right, uh, the session has decided. I don't know when this happened. See, millennia ago, probably, uh, that uh, we're, we're going to meet at 10:45 uh, on a Lord's Day morning for evening worship, and uh, we're going to meet at six o'clock uh, uh, in the evening for evening worship. These are the stated times. These are the times that were designated. For us, so it's regular, weekly stated, heaven directed, and what I mean here is it's God directs our worship, and and this is part of what we've been working on uh, in our class Uh, that the elements of worship are stated in Scripture, that uh, 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 the fact that that uh, we use Psalms in worship that's stated in Scripture in the New Testament, Uh, the fact that we don't use instrumental music is also stated in scripture uh, the fact that uh, the old testament sacrifices are uh, the music is tied to the old testament sacrifices and when the sacrifices are done away with uh, the instrumental music is done away with so all of this is heaven directed right uh, so this is what we mean worship our regular uh, uh, corporate worship is weekly stated, heaven directed, and heaven flavored. And uh, what I mean here is again that we are the temple of the living God. And uh, th- this gets us into uh, these texts again, uh, which is a little bit of a review, but I, I think helpful this morning for uh, what we're doing. So uh, we start out with Second uh, Corinthians six sixteen. 2 Corinthians 6:16 Or what is or what agreement has the temple of God with idols for we are the temple of the living God just as God said We are Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church and the Corinthians are hearing the words of Paul read to them and they're gathered together kind of like we are gathered together right now. And uh, Paul includes himself in the statement and he's saying, we are the temple of the living God. And uh, so the hook with the Old Testament that the apostle is using is the temple. And uh, uh, I'm continuing to bear down on this fact uh, that, that this is the case uh, because I, I think it continually needs uh, to be emphasized. And Paul uses a quote from the Old Testament to validate this idea that we are the temple of the living God. He says, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be My people. This is the great covenant statement and great covenant promise of God where He says, I will... Dwell among them and walk among them. And right? In the Old Testament, how did God do this? By the Shekinah glory that came down in the tabernacle. Right? And uh, when the camp moved out, the uh, tabernacle uh, uh, was carried and the Shekinah glory led the people of God. I will walk with them and I will dwell among them. In uh, the temple, when uh, Solomon dedicated the temple, uh, the cloud filled the temple so that the priests couldn't, (laughs) they couldn't go in there. Uh, It was so rich uh, with the presence of God. And uh, it's this idea, I will dwell uh, among them and with them. And uh, Paul is saying, we are the temple of the living God, and the promise is that God will dwell among us. And uh, 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 hopefully you remember this, this little uh, side note. Uh, maybe you remember this little side note. That uh, God manifests Himself differently in different times and in different places. You would say, God is present everywhere. Yes, that is true. And the psalmist says, if I ascend into heaven, you are there. And if I descend into Sheol, and the King James Version puts it, if I descend into hell, you are there. Well, uh, God is present in hell for sure, uh, but He's present in hell in wrath. He's manifesting Himself in wrath. God is present in heaven, not in wrath, but in uh, great love. And so God is manifesting Himself differently in different times and in different places. And when you and I gather together for corporate worship, God is pleased to manifest Himself in our midst in covenant love. See, this, this is one of the beauties of it. He's pleased to manifest Himself in covenant love. And so Paul says, We are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. What a blessing it is to enter into uh, the presence of the living God. And then uh, 1 Peter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, another familiar text. Uh, uh, Peter says in First Peter 2.5, you also as living stones... See, see, what's the imagery? See, the imagery, once again, is the Old Testament temple. You as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. Here we are as God's house, the temple of God. Uh, It's striking that uh, in the Old Testament, uh, the temple was called the house of prayer. And uh, in the New Testament, the the church is to be the house of prayer. The house of prayer for all uh, the people. And uh, this is the idea. So, uh, we are being built up as living stones. We are being built together as a spiritual house. And again, the imagery uh, that Peter is using is the temple uh, of the living God. And then uh, Ephesians two nineteen uh, through 22. Ephesians 2. 19-22, through 22, uh, the Apostle Paul is again uh, writing to uh, the church at Ephesus. And uh, he says to the church of Ephesus, beginning in uh, verse 19, "...so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household." Okay? Uh, We're a family together and we're part of God's house. Uh, Verse 20, Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the cornerstone. You see, you get the idea of the temple now again. Uh, The construction of the temple, the cornerstone is laid and uh, the walls are put up. And uh, this house, which is the house of prayer, uh, is The dwelling place of God. And now the Apostle Paul is applying this idea. uh, He's applying this idea to uh, the people at Ephesus, the church at Ephesus. And so verse 19 again. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ Himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building... Now Paul paul suddenly takes this expansive view and he says, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. The imagery of the temple. And he's saying the whole building, the whole church at large, uh, the church of Jesus Christ at large, he says, is being built... Uh, into a holy temple in the Lord. And uh, so we have that imagery right before us again. And uh, then Paul from verse 21 uh, comes down in verse 22 to the, from uh, the general statement, the whole building is being built into a holy temple in the Lord uh, in, in 21. And then in verse 22 he comes down to Uh, the church at Ephesus itself, from the general principle to the local congregation. And he says, "...in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit." Say, You as a church, Ephesus, are being built into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So now uh, we can apply it to Second Reformed Presbyterian Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. You also are being built into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And so when you and I come together, it's to uh, form this temple uh, when you and I come together in the public worship of God, uh, preeminently, it's to form this temple and to be the special dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Right? Uh, th- this is a tremendous thing just to contemplate uh, that this is the case and that God would be pleased to meet with us in this particular way uh, on uh, each Lord's Day. Uh, so, uh, I'm using these uh, texts uh, once again to undergird this idea of regular, weekly stated, heaven-directed, heaven-flavored worship. All right? This is the idea. And uh, uh, as I've said in the past, the temple is the pattern for worship. In other words, we get our pattern for worship Largely out of the temples. Some out of the synagogue, but largely out of the temple. There was psalm singing in the temple, so we sing psalms. When the sacrifices were terminated, as I said earlier, there is no longer instrumental music, and so we do not utilize instrumental music in our worship. But generally speaking, see, the hook... The pattern is the temple. Right? And so now, uh, this morning, I'm contrasting this idea okay, with what I'm calling celebrations, okay, which are occasional. And uh, what I mean by that is they're tied to different occasions. Like uh, we don't have weddings every week in each one of our families. This doesn't happen. It's, it's, a, it's a special occasion. They happen once, right? These are occasional uh, gatherings. And uh, in our country, we don't have a 4th of July celebration every month. <laughs> it only happens once a year on this particular occasion. Okay, This is the idea. They're occasional. Occasional. And these celebrations are culturally conditioned. In other words, they derive much of what takes place in them from the respective cultures within which the celebrations take place. Uh, In other words, weddings are a great example. uh, weddings take on uh, uh, many cultural things. <laughs> uh, and many things that are uh, done in the Bible are not specifically stated in the Bible. And as I've often said, you can have a wedding in two minutes. All it takes is uh, the bride and the groom and whoever's officiating, and uh, you You say the vows, exchange vows, and you pronounce them husband and wife, and that's it. They're married. (laughs) You don't need all of this other stuff. But for some reason, brides especially like these other things. They're enjoyable. They're fun. It's a celebration. And so we we do get this idea of uh, the celebration. Uh, it, it's a lot cheaper just to you know do the 2 minute thing <laughs> but but uh, to have the celebration is uh, a great deal of fun and in the old testament we see uh, uh, several different celebrations all right and they're not uh, directed in the same way that the worship in the temple is directed. And these celebrations are conditioned, culturally conditioned. Okay? So I want uh, to look at these, uh, some of these texts here uh, that I have on the board uh, for you to uh, gr- uh, grasp this idea. Alright? Hopefully, hopefully, this is my objective. Uh, Genesis 31 and uh, verse 27. Genesis 31 and uh, verse uh, 27 Now uh, Jacob has been serving Laban and uh, he he sneaks off with his bride and Laban is not happy uh, with his uh, sneaking off uh, with with his bride so uh, uh, let's see 31 27 uh, so uh, Laban says, "Why did you flee secretly and deceive me, and did not uh, tell me so that I might have sent you away with joy and with songs and with timbrel and with lyre? Why didn't you allow me to have a wedding celebration?" Okay. See that this is the idea. Uh, Laban's a little upset. I, I would like to have a wedding celebration, uh, have a little reception, have a party, and <laughs> and uh, uh, the party is characterized in uh, certain ways. Uh, send you away uh, with joy and with songs, with timbrel and with lyre, so so with tambourines, you know, and dancing and and uh, having a great time. See? And, and this was typical. Uh, This this kind of a celebration was typical in the culture of that day, all right? This this is the idea. Uh, So uh, we have this uh, celebration, in this case, it's a wedding uh, feast. The idea would be a wedding feast, and uh, it's culturally conditioned. Uh, The wedding feast is uh, culturally conditioned. Uh, So now uh, we go to Job 21.12. Uh, I'm not going in the order of the uh, books of the Bible here, uh, but there's a rationale for this, I think. Uh, Job 21.12. Let's start up in the uh, text at uh, verse 7 in uh, Job uh, 21. Uh, uh, Job says, Why do the wicked still live? Continue uh, on uh, also... Why do the wicked still live, continue on, also become very powerful? Their descendants are established with them in their sight, and their offspring before their eyes. Their houses are safe uh, from fear, and the rod of God is not on them. Uh, His ox mates without uh, fail, his cow calves and does not abort. Uh, They send forth their little ones like a flock, Uh, Their children skip about. They sing to the timbrel and the harp and rejoice with the sound of the flute. Uh, They spend their days in prosperity and suddenly they go down to Sheol. Sheol. And uh, uh, the text that I'm bearing down uh, on is verse 12. They sing to the timbrel and harp and rejoice to the sound of the flute. Uh, They like to have a good party. See, what do unbelievers do? They like to get together and and have a bash. Right? Let's go out and have a good time, and uh, so they sing and they dance and and uh, uh, they have a party. They have a celebration. This is typical. So I, I bring this up because this is typical to the culture. All right, and uh, uh, in, in uh, Genesis thirty-one twenty-seven, I said. Uh, the celebration there was culturally conditioned. Well, I think from Job 21.12, you can see that this is the case. You see, this is the kind of thing that they would do uh, uh, in uh, that day. Uh, so now, let's go to Judges uh, 11.34. Uh, backing up a little bit. Judges uh, 11.34. And uh, we'll start with... Uh, Verse 32 uh, to get to verse uh, 34. Jephthah uh, battles uh, Amnon. And uh, uh, he comes home now. And uh, uh, this is the circumstance. Uh, so Jephthah crossed over uh, to the sons of Ammon uh, to fight against them, and the Lord gave them into His hand. He struck them with a very great slaughter from Aror to the entrance of Minnath, twenty cities as far as Abel-Kerimim. So the sons of Ammon were subdued before the sons of Israel. When Jephthah came to his house at Miztah, behold, his daughter was coming out to meet him with tambourines and with dancing. Now she was the one and only child besides her. He had no son or daughter. Uh, so when uh, Jephthah comes home, uh, his daughter comes out to meet him. Woohoo! hoo <laughs> Let's have a celebration. Let's have a party. You won the victory. See, And with tambourine and with dancing. See, again, uh, I lay this before you because uh, this is the uh, uh cultural uh, circumstance. This is the kind of thing that... Would automatically be done in the culture at the time okay? to have uh, this kind of uh, celebration and uh, th- this kind of party. Uh, so, uh, uh, next text: First Samuel eighteen. First Samuel eighteen. And uh, here you see uh, David comes home. Uh, after a great victory. Uh, It happened as they were coming when David returned from killing the Philistine, uh, from uh, killing Goliath, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing. Hoo-hoo! Let's have a celebration. Right? Uh, David uh, got the victory. Came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, uh, with joy and with musical instruments. Uh, the women sang as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And uh, of course, that didn't make Saul uh, very happy uh, uh, under the circumstances. Uh, but you see, again, uh, here, here is this uh, celebratory uh, scene and uh, uh, the tambourines and other musical instruments and the dancing uh, of the women uh, they came out uh, uh in uh, this celebration uh, so uh, again uh, just emphasizing the fact that this was uh, the kind of thing that was done in the culture at the time all right now uh, it is possible it is possible that uh, you can uh, pack uh, some of the things that were done in these celebrations and uh, some worshipful elements, such as praise to God and uh, prayer. It's possible to do that. And uh, we often uh, do that, do we not? Uh, in celebrations uh, that we have, for example, uh, in our country, 4th uh, of July uh, celebrations, uh, we often uh, have uh, an invocation and other prayers and And uh, sometimes uh, uh, there's a message delivered. I've done this on a 4th of July, uh, in a 4th of July circumstance, a message given by a pastor, uh, and this sort of thing. So it's possible to put these uh, some uh, elements of worship together with the uh, idea of the celebration. Okay? And uh, uh, we see this in Exodus chapter uh 15 Exodus 15 and uh verse 20 uh, particularly and uh, w- we can uh, uh, start up earlier uh, but uh I don't want to read all of this because it's a little longer passage uh, but the beginning of uh, Exodus 15 is a song uh that uh, uh Miriam uh sang uh, that we have recorded for us. And uh, in verse 19 it says, uh, "...for the ho- uh, the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea on them. Uh, but the sons of Israel walked on dry land uh, through the midst of the sea. Miriam the prophetess, Aaron's sister took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dancing. You see, again, uh, this uh, celebration uh, that takes place. Miriam answered, Sing to the Lord, for He is highly exalted. The horse and His rider He has hurled into the sea. So it's quite evident, see, in this circumstance uh, that uh, there's this... uh, Uh, culturally, say, what I would call culturally conditioned celebration, and along with it is praise to God. Okay? So, uh, perfectly, I would say, perfectly legitimate. And, uh, when weddings are performed, uh, there may be uh, things that are brought in uh, that, uh, have, uh, uh, are conditioned by the culture uh, okay and at the same time there may be prayers and praise and it may uh, from this perspective be very god honoring all right uh, so it's a celebration that uh, is culturally conditioned in uh, many ways uh, but it also includes uh, this idea of some praise to god so uh, Uh, Why am I laying this uh, before you and these alternatives before you? Uh, Here's what I see. That often when uh, our style of worship is criticized, the reference is made back to these Old Testament celebrations. And the question is, why can't we incorporate into our worship services the uh, celebrations that we see in the Old Testament and which obviously contain praise to God and uh, which also may have prayers and other uh, uh, elements of worship. Why can't we use those Old Testament celebrations as a pattern for our New Testament worship? Why can't we go there? Why don't we go there when it seems most appropriate To do so. And my, uh, response is then the pattern that the New Testament worship, uh, New Testament uses for our worship is not the Old Testament celebration, but it is the temple. And that's the hook back to which the Apostle Paul goes in describing the church and getting into the idea of worship in the church. So so that's the first thing. That would be my first response. And then my second response would be this. The Old Testament celebrations, as we've looked at them, are culturally conditioned. Is it your desire for the church of Jesus Christ, of which you're a part, to be more culturally conditioned, or is it your desire for the church? to be more fully connected to heaven. Now, now when I think about that, I'm not sure where each of you are, but I would say I, I want our church to be more fully connected to heaven. I want our congregation in our worship to be more fully connected to heaven. I'm not so much interested in our congregation being more influenced by the culture and our our doing things that connect us more with the culture in our worship. I'm more interested in and I think the Bible is more interested in, our being connected to heaven. Now, it's my perception that much of what's happening in the church today in the way of worship is an effort to connect with the culture and make what's going on in the church more acceptable to people as they come in because there's a link to the culture. I, I've found personally a, a couple of startling things. Uh, in Bloomington, in the RP church there, uh, since uh, uh, they're close to Indiana University, and uh, Indiana University has a pretty good school of music, that folks come in to the RP Church who have been in or are attending the school of music and they sigh and say something like this, it sure is nice to be able to come to church and not feel like you have to be in a performance mode as far as music is concerned. It sure is nice to be able to pull away from that and come and just worship the Lord. Very interesting. Uh, A very interesting perspective, I think. Uh, And and I think uh, in our culture, uh, part of what's taking place is that when people come to church, they don't want to see the same thing. They want to see something that's quite different. And they want to be confronted with something that's quite different. And as uh, the Apostle Paul puts it in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, uh, that people would come to church and, and they would say, wow, God is present here. And they would experience something that is quite different than the world in other words they would experience something that comes from heaven and i think this is this is uh, uh uh this is important for us to understand because we have something as a church and as a denomination to offer to a world out there that's hungering a taste of the good things of the world to come and we have an opportunity to offer people those things oh you would say well other churches have an opportunity to offer people those things and uh, uh, they uh, use things that are uh, culturally uh, conditioned and my response is yes Yes, I understand that. But again, where would I like to see us go? Closer to heaven. (laughs) Closer to heaven. That would be the objective. And here's another family experience that my wife and I have had uh, with one of her uh, siblings and, and her husband as they uh, sought for churches. Uh, uh, they put it this way. Uh, we're looking for a church home. And generally speaking, uh, this is what's happening as we uh, visit different churches. Uh, that if we go to a church where there's more of a traditional kind of worship, generally speaking, it's of the more liberal stripe of church. And if we go to a church uh, that is more conservative and preaches the gospel, it's a church that more than likely is involved in the contemporary worship scene. And my response is, come to the RP Church. Hello. What are you looking for? You're looking for a church that loves Jesus Christ and loves the Bible and has what you would call a more traditional kind of worship that is rooted in the Bible and is attempting to come closer to heaven. And so, uh, my plea is, and my sense of things is, that uh, as the Reformed Presbyterian Church of North America, we have what a lot of people, uh, uh, maybe not self-consciously are looking for, but a lot of people are looking for. And uh, I think we ought to be thankful to God for what we have and what we can offer the world as we seek to follow the standards of worship that are set forth in the Bible. So praise be unto God that this is the case.